0: So Parsha Shlach is the Parsha of the Meraglim. That you're familiar with? Nod your head, that's fine enough to take yourself off mute. Okay, fine. The Meraglim, obviously the spies, bad news, right? Moshe sent spies, spies come back, lush and hard about Eretz Israel. but I believe them. Again, quick basics, you guys are familiar. Uh, they cry, they get decreed 40 years in the desert. Good, this is familiar, nod your heads. Good, excellent, a uh, bit of a plague. Okay, Kosh Baraka gets upset. Moshe He right, says, okay, fine, Besader, I'll kill everybody, this generation, but everybody else will go into Eretz Yisrael. Um, the the Parsha has a couple of stuff about Korbanos, just because right afterwards, right, Hashem wanted to kind of reinforce the fact that don't worry, you will make it into Eretz Yisrael, even though it seems pretty lousy right now. Um, there's the Mitzvah of Challah. Um, and then uh, we have, there's was uh, something called uh, the Makoshish Eitzim, the guy who was gathering sticks. I do love talking about that, but I'm actually not gonna talk about that today. I think it's a fascinating vort just to give you an insight, basically, according to the, some, you know, part of the, Gemara mentions that basically Bnei Yisrael kind of saw 40 years in the desert, oh my gosh, we're all done, forget it, and they were starting to give up. So it seems like from some sources that somebody went and was Mechal Shabbos on purpose, so, so you could get put to death on purpose to show B'nai Yisrael that, you know, the mitzvahs are still legit and you should still take them seriously, even though we're all decreed we're going to die whatever. That's a fascinating Parsha. I'm not gonna actually going you know, to talk about that so much today. Um, and then the, uh, it's definitely cool if you want to check into it. Um, and then the Parsha ends off with tzitzis. So we'll, we'll do mostly Miraglim stuff. Um, and then we'll uh, end with a beautiful vort on on tzitzis that I uh, that I happen to adore. Okay, so anyway, so basically the Miraglim... You're familiar with the Meragam, the Meragam, go into Israel, and they come back and they say a lot, they say a lot of stuff, and it's a little bit tricky uh, to pick up what the problem is with what they said, because on the one hand, as I'm just going to try and read a couple of Sukkim, a lot of things they said were very good, were very positive, some of the things they said were negative. Obviously, B'nai Shil took it in a bad way, but let's just read the Pesukim very quickly, just a couple of Pesukim, I'll try and paraphrase them as I can, and then we'll try to kind of, to, to illustrate for you. So basically, they come back, and they say, uh, we, we, uh, we went to the land. And it's Right? That's, uh, it, it, and it's a, an amazing land. FS but, the nation is strong. We saw all these nations that are strong and powerful. There's Amalek, and they name all the nations, right? And and, and that's it. And that's the end of their statement. And then Kalev gets up and says, Let's go inherit it. Because we can't. And then the people say, well, I take it back when I said before, that it's hard to pin down what they said was wrong. I, that's not true. Right? There's a lot you could pin down over here. I take it back. But basically then the people say, no, we can't. It's too strong for us. Okay, fine. So that's basically the statement, the back and forth. So one, there are a couple of things I want to pick up on here. Um, when I say it's hard to pin down, I didn't mean it's hard to pin down. It's just there are many aspects of what, was, what went wrong. But that word that I kind of pointed out when I was reading it he says, Right, it is a land of Zavaskal, Dvash. FS Dvash. but. But the nation is strong, and it's a very strong people, strong cities, giants, etc., etc. That word, but, is a crucial word. And very often, right, we also kind of use that word and, and almost don't pay attention to it. Right? If someone would say to you, right, if someone would say, uh, How is that sheer?" Right? And, you'd, and someone would say, well, a couple of great things. Yeah, the rabbi's very fun to listen to, and it's a good topic, but one, two, three, and four. So is he, say, giving a good review, or is he giving a bad review? Right? Even though he said some positive things beforehand, mm, he's not really focusing on the positives. Right? Any, anytime someone gives you a compliment, oh, that dress is so nice, but I feel like you should wear it to a wedding. So that's not a compliment. So that's not helpful. so when B'nai, when, they, when they, the true things that they said about Alex were were true but when you throw in that butt right again that ruins everything and the whole that was their perspective. I mean they saw amazing things right but they were focused on the negative right We talked about it a little bit last week by the misodinnim right by the complainers right that they complained about the mon uh, they said things like we remember the fish that we ate in Mitzrayim for free for free, that's very selective memory, right? You're remembering very selective things about the things you had in Mitzrayim. They talk about the watermelons in Mitzrayim, the watermelons in Mitzrayim, 210 years of slavery, and all you remember are the watermelons. Like, that is very selective memory. When a person is focused on the negative, when you're looking for something to complain about, when you're looking to be negative, you can find anything. All right. so lesson number one, you can take, again from last week and from this week as well, is that a person sees what they want to see, and if they want to be negative they're going to be negative and they want to be positive and they want to be positive and the decision really almost comes beforehand right you see a lot of chazal a lot of the speeches a lot of the rhetoric i talk about Chaz- about the maraglim is that they they were always they were intending to give a bad re- result right that's why moshe daven for Yeshua, right they were intending to give a bad speech about israel they went in thinking all right, how can we mess this up? We'll, we'll talk to you on it in a second. The, the major says they had real that they weren't going to be able to to conquer the, the 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 cities and stuff. Fine. But they went in deciding to be negative. And my wife often tells me, and uh, it's a lot of truth behind this, that if ever I'm in a bad mood, you just smile like that emoji. You know the emoji that just has like... You know that one that has no actual smile, it's just like... I don't even know how to describe it, like an oval. But just force yourself to do that because when you smile, even if you hate it, so all of a sudden you're smiling, right? And it, yeah, exactly that emoji, fabulous. So and it happens to be one of my personal favorites. And it, even even though I'm frustrated on the inside, but when you force yourself to smile, it just reminds yourself, yeah, I gotta I gotta make make uh, the best out of the situation. Right? Someone asked me. I remember one of the girls asked me. I'm not gonna you know say who it was. It's not hard but it's not. Not relevant. They're they nervous about their summer plans. And they're nervous about like, oh, I'm going to be in a place. I'm not sure about this or whatever. So I kind of just said to them, I'm like, listen, you just have to decide to make it good. And then it'll be good. Like right? When you decide right, what you want out of a certain situation, so that's what comes out of it. Now, Lachora seemed to be what the Miraglim kind of started with. Okay, that's that's number one, issue number one with the Miraglim. Number two, issue number two with the Miraglim is something that Piazzet's Rebbe points out. Fascinating, fascinating. Uh, inside of the Piazzatana Rebbe, again, the Rebbe wrote a sefer called the Eish Kodesh, Chovos HaTalmidim, uh, was in the Warsaw Ghetto, um, sharing Torah and spreading, keeping hope alive uh, for the Jews, was uh, murdered, obviously, in the Holocaust, um, and the Bar his writings came out to us, so he basically, his Eish Kodesh is basically a list of his, can you, if you can imagine, a bunch of speeches in shul during the Holocaust, right, in the Warsaw Ghetto, that's the age kodesh. That's the safer. So it's it's mind-blowing when you just realize the context. So he has an unbelievable shot with the Moraglam. He says, I kind of read it over for you before, right? What the Moraglam said like the bad stuff about uh about Israel, right? That not Israel, but the people, the people are so strong. I'm just paraphrasing the cities are so high, there are giants, there's a there's all these strong nations, etc. What does Kalev say? Kalev says, Let's go, we can do it. We can do it. And Rashi says something fascinating. He says, what, was, what did Kalev mean? And I'm just, again, just paraphrasing the Hebrew. Even if you would tell me, even if Hashem would tell us, let's go make ladders and go up to the sky, even if that's what we had to do, we would be matzliach. Matzliach has to bechol We would figure it out. Says the Pizas Narev, I don't understand. The Miraglim are coming with all of these technical, legitimate claims. It's hard to capture a city that has giants and huge walls and a strong army. Right? They're coming with all these talkless, normal, natural pointers. They're not wrong. Right? And Kalev is like, well, we, yeah, but if we could just build ladders to the sky, so then, you know, we could do that also. <laughs> what what in the world is that? Like, what kind of answer is that? So, and says, that's exactly the point. That sometimes Kosh Baruch Hu makes it as if all of the natural responses and resources and avenues of success are unavailable. And at that point, it's not it's not at that point, it's better just to look to a Kosh Baruch Hu. It's better just to look instead of looking for even more answers. Some point Hashem just wants you to doubt. Hashem just wants you to have a moon and be the things will work out. That yes, in a kinami, and this is what he points out, he says uh, I, he doesn't point this out, but this Fasemis points out, I'll get to that in a second. But basically, whenever you're in a situation where natural, uh, you know, if it's not working out, you know, it's, you come back shut up, and you can't think of any thing or anything that will help. So all it is is it's, it's, a coach baruch who just wants you to daven. Meaning he's making it more difficult for you because he wants you to realize that really everything that's natural is from a coach baruch who and. That's that's the whole point. That the whole logic, the whole exercise, is so that we can have uh, to strengthen our amunah and get into focus. Says the Sfas I saw in Ramiel and uh, he says the Sfas is unbelievable. So the Medrash, as I said before, the Medrash says the Miraglim saw in Ruach Hakodesh that the, the Bnei Yisrael did not have enough strength to conquer Eretz er Yisrael. So therefore, they decided, well, we might as well kind of you know warn them off and, and make sure that let's, let's not go get it. Says Sfas No, that was the point. I mean, Hashem wanted them not to have enough natural, physical ability to conquer all, and that if they should trust in Hashem, that they should use the HaKosh Baruch Hu's promises as the, their point for emuna and Bittachon, That was how they were supposed to conquer Israel. And says there Melech that sometimes HaKosh Baruch Hu does that in our lives, and that sometimes Hashem does that to us. And sometimes we have to realize that when we're going through difficult times, we perceive as difficult, and you can't figure out, I don't know how I'm going to get to college, I don't know how I'm going to pass this test, I don't know how I'm going to get this job, etc., when all the natural avenues are exhausted to us, sometimes that's because Hashem wants us to daven, Hashem wants us to turn to Him. So that's also tremendous, tremendous Muslim. Muslim number three from the Miraglim. What happened? What B'nai Yisrael's response from the Miraglim was, V'ayifkuham b'leilahu, a right? pretty well-known member Chazal, that B'nai Yisrael cried that they weren't going to be able to conquer it. To conquer Yisrael. And the G'monitani says, Da'af that since they cried, a, what's called the Bechi al Chinam, they cried a, uh, a uh, I guess a chinam. Literally, in, in modern Hebrew, is free, but it means you. They cried unnecessarily. So I'll show you, says the Kodesh Baruch I'll show you what it means to cry. Right? I'll show you what it means to cry for generations. And the question that everybody asks is like, dude, for real? Like for all generations? Like they got this? Fine, I got it. They got depressed. They got misled by the Miragel. and Hara, Eretz Yisrael. Fine, I get it. Terrible. Okay. Now, for the next 3,000 years or 2,000 years, since the destruction of the base of Mikdash, now we're going to have a day to cry every single year yeah. because they they blew it in the desert. I mean, listen, I mean, proportion, come on, let's go. This is very disproportionate. What's going on over here? So it says the Rujina Rebbe, the Rebbe from Rujin, that's right, the Rebbe that we have a street named after him, somebody who lived on Rujin. So that's right. It says the Rujina Rebbe, a story about a wealthy man. Now, I don't know if the story is real, it's true, but it definitely illustrates uh... the point that we're gonna we're gonna try to try to make the story about a guy was wealthy and did not have a curse at home he was always complaining uh... did not appreciate the wealth that he was given so as the story goes right coach barclay said okay you think you're complaining about your situation fine i'll uh, i'll make it a little worse you think this is what's you should complain about this i'll give you something to complain about so sure enough he lost his money and had to go begging on the streets and he was complaining he's complaining he's complaining he as said Fine. you think this is something you have to complain about I'll, you think that's bad I'll give you something to complain about So Kosh gave given Saras so he couldn't even go back because he was outside the city right if you have Saras you' have leprosy you're not allowed to it's not really a leprosy whatever but he had to be outside of the city uh, so he couldn't even go beg for food right so they complained and complained and complained Kosh Borhu made him a gimp his back started hurting. Uh, he got some one of the illness, some illness, another illness. He couldn't even swallow his food. And at that point, right, he had an illness that a lot of the people, a lot of the beggars, and a lot of the people around him were not making it. There was a plague or whatever it was, and a lot of people around him were dying. And at that point, he was just happy to be alive. And he said, "You know what? I'm just I can't eat so well. I can't I can't walk. But you know what? All these people around me are not going to make it. I'm not making it from this disease. At this point, you know what? At least I'm happy I'm alive." Hashem said, oh, good, you're happy about this? I'll give you something else to be happy about. And then he cured him from, his, from the backaches and the food swallowing. At least he could swallow food now. And said, you know what, Baruch Hashem, I could swallow food, and it looks like I'm going to make it through this illness. Hashem said, oh, listen, you know what, it looks like you're, you, want, you think you're, you know, that's a karzatov. I'll give you something else to have a karzatov for. So he started giving him, right, he healed him from his tzaras, so he gave him a little bit of money. So he thanked Hashem again. Right, and uh, you, you know, Hashem said, you know what, okay, so you, want it, you think that's good? I'll give you something that will make you really thank me. So, and he gave him more money, more money, to the point where he came back to where he was before. He had his original riches, and at this point he was thanking HaGosh Baruch Hu. Says the Rujin Revi, in Sefer Tov Lehodos, that's what the Gemara means. When the Gemara says, that Akash Baruch Hu, that we cried, and therefore Hashem said, you know what, you think that's crying? I'll give you something to cry about. Because it's not a vengeful act. It's simply how Kosh Baruch Hu relates to us in this world. Right? We, had, we hear the concept of Midah, Mida Midah. Hashem gives us our Midah. Right? The, the Gemara Mako is talked about by Bilam. We'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. The, Derech leilich the path a person wants to go down, that's where Hashem takes you. Right? You want to get uh, go higher and higher in Yiddishkeit, Hashem will give you Sada Deshmaya. If you want to go lower, unfortunately Hashem will also give you Sada Deshmaya. By the, the Nefesh HaKhaim, Rav Chaim Voloshner writes in Nefesh HaKhaim that, again, not that I really understand this so much, but the things that we manifest down in this world, right, impact the worlds above us and they come in turn, then impact us down in this world. It's like a chain reaction almost, like a rope that goes up through all the, the upper worlds and the mitzvos and the attitudes that we have down here send shockwaves up towards shemayim and then they come back down they reflect back down on us that's what the concept of mitzvah guerreris mitzvah when we do a mitzvah we cause ourselves to have more holiness and it leads to another mitzvah basically our attitudes as we said as we pointed out before our attitudes determine right what happens to us right what we what we, what we want to see is what a gives us or the path that we want to go down so if you want to see the world in a certain way right, that that maybe is more negative than you should so just be careful what you wish for. You might be very surprised about what, what Akash Parakhu's got in store for you. Right. Our our goal, our job is to have a Hikar Sato for everything. Right? Not to just uh, you know to have Bitaqir and Emuna and, and kind of focus and realize that Akash Parkhu is the source for everything and what we our attitude has in this world that Kashparakhu will give it back to us. Right? That's that's the that's what we're talking about over here. Okay. Um, fine. Uh, one more about the Miraglim, and then we'll do two other uh, kind of little little points over here. Okay um, The Major says, Puzik's, one of the things that the Miragulum said, let's just see if I can find it over here um, Yeah, it's at the end of the barak. Puzzle says "Right, they had a, the Luscious heart about the land um, the land that we went to, Eretz right, Ochel, he eats its inhabitants, right, because they saw a lot of people dying. And who did that for them on purpose, said the giants would be busy with the funerals, etc. Anyway, we saw the giants, and that fascinating line that, again, you may have heard of. Right, We were like grasshoppers. In their eyes, and so too we were. Well, I guess the other way around. We were like grasshoppers in our eyes, and so too we were grasshoppers in their eyes. Now, what in the world is going on over here? Said now, the Gemara does say. I will talk to this in a second. That they heard the giants saying, "Wow, check it out! There are ants in, in the in the fields." So. When they say that they thought that we were grasshoppers, it's, it's perhaps based on that. But the Medrash says something unbelievable: that B'nai Yisrael, that Kosh Baruch Hu could not forgive them. Right? He could have forgive them. He could have forgiven them, right, for uh, the fact that they that they saw uh, that uh, what was the problem over here? Meaning that they saw themselves in other people's eyes. Right? They thought what the giants were thinking about them. And Hashem says, "How do you know this?" Right? Mecha how do you know whether that, well, that they think that you? are grasshoppers. Meaning, how do you know that Akash Bargo didn't make them seem like Malachi? Meaning, when a person sees, when a person, how a person sees himself, right, the way we shape our own view of ourselves in the world, that's how we think other people see us. Right? According to our own world view. There's nobody who's a big balagaiva right? A person, let's take an right, extreme example. Someone who is tremendously arrogant and thinks they're the greatest gift to mankind. That guy does not think that everybody else thinks that he's an idiot. Right, that guy assumes that everybody looks at him the same way. Right? And so too, someone who is all the way down, right, kind of suffering, kind of like uh, you know, someone who views themselves very low, right, thinks that everybody else thinks that he's also very low, or she's also very low, or she's not worth worth anything. So again, the Gemara Sotha says that again that they heard the aunt, them saying, Oh, look, there are ants in the vineyard. It says this it's unbelievable, right? Kafisha adam hushomeya. According to what a person thinks. That's what he hears. Meaning, it's not that they heard the giant saying, oh, look, there are bugs in the vineyard. And then they assumed, oh, that's what they must be thinking of themselves. It's they thought of themselves as little bugs, and that's what they heard. Meaning, again, just to think about it from a logical perspective, right? You're you're a bug, you're down in the vineyard, or you're a normal-sized human, and there are giants. You hear the giant saying, oh, look, there are bugs in the vineyard. How do you know they're talking about you? The giants are, let's say, 20 feet tall. Their viewpoint, they're looking out over a much bigger land, space, or landmass than you're occupying. You're a little guy, you're normal, normal human size, and they're 20 feet tall, so, or 30 feet tall, whatever it is. So you're in a little area of space, he's looking out over a huge land mass. Oh, look, there are ants in the vineyard. How do you know he's talking about your Dalinamos? You don't know he's talking about your Daladamas, just if that's how you view yourself, that's what you hear. That your worldview is shaped by how you carry yourself and how you feel. And there's an amazing story that Melich Biederman uh, tells over to, to explain this idea. He says there was a guy once, was a coal guy, who was very timid. And no one ever asked him Shilas in the base matters about you know what the sugya, what they were learning. No one ever asked him on the street for directions. Nobody in his house ever asked, like, you know, how's everything, how was your day, etc.? No one, No one ever paid any attention to him whatsoever. So after a long time, he decided, you know what, maybe I, I gotta get people, somebody to pay attention to me. He decided, you know, he's feeling very lonely. He decided to go buy a new hat. He saw a sign for a new hat on sale or whatever. He so said, you know what, I'm gonna take this old hat that I've been wearing since my bar mitzvah, I'm gonna go buy a new hat. Fine. Goes to the store, buys a new hat, Spends a good amount of money, looks at it in the mirror, decides he's going to be a new man. says, I'm going to be such a new man, I'm going, to, I'm going to leave the old hat here. I'm not even going to take it with me. Takes a new hat, walks out, right, feeling good about himself. And all of a sudden, you know, within a day or two, people are asking him, Shiloh's in the basement, right? There's a kid asking him to help him cross the street. Right? He comes home and the family asks, how was your day? What's going on? Do you need something? Can I help you with this? Can you help me with that? And so people notice this change in attitude, and they ask him, "What's the new? What, what's the deal?" So being a t- still a little timid, he just like points up, up uh, you know, points like this with his finger up at up at Shammai. Day or two, he doesn't explain. After a day or two, people ask him again, like, "What's the deal? What's the you know new attitude? How's it going?" So instead of po- finally, you know, they ask him, "What are you pointing at, Hashem, or something? Did some nice happen to you that all of a sudden you're a changed man?" So a little embarrassed, a little embarrassed, he says, "No, I'm I'm really just pointing to my hat." You know, I got a new hat, and I, you know, I feel like a new man. And everybody looks around, and finally someone says to him, I, I, hate, I hate to break it to you, bro, but that's the same hat you've always been wearing. And what turned out is that he didn't leave the old hat in the store, he left the new hat in the store. And he took the old hat with him, and he was still wearing the same hat, except he was carrying himself differently. And that's what the Rav Melech says, that the way we carry ourselves is how people will relate to us. That the way, the attitude that we have, that we make it, like I said before, like if you're sad, smile like that emoji, just make your own reality. Right? just, If you make your own reality and you decide that you're going to carry yourself in a way that, you know, will make things better, so then things will happen to you that, that will be better. Okay, that's uh, that's a few words about the Meraglim. Two more vortlach that I think are, that I very much enjoy uh, about uh, this Parsha. A fascinating, fascinating psukim. After Hashem says that, Okay, you guys are toast, uh, and we're done, and you're getting, getting stuck in the Midbar, um, there's a bunch of people who get up the next morning. fascinating response. i uh, just trying to find it over here. If you're following along, yeah. Okay, here it is. Basically, everybody cries. Moshe tells them they, they mourn. Everybody's in mourning. Everybody's in mourning. People get up early, they get up to the top of the mountain, and they say, You know what? We blew it. We're here, we're getting up, we're here at the top of the mountain, we're going up there to Sewell. We sinned, we messed up, we're going up there. All right? This is what is called the Ma'apilim. And Moshe says to them, There's nothing doing, I mean, it's done. We're finished, right? There's no, the Kosh doesn't want you to go up there. Don't go up. Hashem is not with you. You're not going to be survived. You're not going to survive. The Amalekim, the Kananim are going to kill you guys. You guys have sinned. You got to accept your punishment and suck it up. And they decided, you know what, no. If I us, they decided to go up anyway. Right? Nobody follows them. And unfortunately, the Amalekim and the Kananim come down and they kill them and they kill the Al-Malikim. and And obviously, you know, that is the end of that. Now, what Chazah pointed out in several places, not only, only here, but if it's here, I'm going to point it out again, is that it's fascinating. The exact same action, one day earlier, would have been a tremendous mitzvah. Right? One day earlier, one day earlier, B'nai Yisrael is ready to roll, go into Eretz Yisrael, fabulous. Everybody goes up the mountain, starts fighting the wars, let's go defeat them, wonderful. The exact same action, 24 hours, 48 hours, however many hours later, was a disaster and got them all killed. And what is the only difference between those two actions? Even though they were exactly the same physical action, the single difference was the Tzidu Hashem. What a Kosh Baruch wanted from them in that moment. Sometimes in life, the exact same action can be either good or bad depending on the circumstance. I will chazal bring out, and again, I've said this during the year, but so stop. I'm, don't stop me if I I'll just finish the void. But I've said this during the year. Basically, actions themselves are neither positive nor negative. It just depends on the, the circumstance. It just depends on context, right? Very often, it, it can be a tremendous mitzvah to do, you know, to give. I don't know, to give someone a thousand dollars, tremendous mitzvah. But if that is going to prohibit you from not being able to, I don't know, so afford an apartment food, etc., so Chazal say that's inappropriate. Right? A person is not supposed to give more than 20% of their money to Tzedakah, right, if they can't afford it. 20% is very high. I'm saying 10%, whatever it is, a person giving that much money, but they themselves can't live, that's not a good, that's not a mitzvah Tzedakah. Right? There are a lot of work like this all over the Chumash. Uh, for example, there's a, court, what's the difference between Maim and Har-Sinai uh and uh and uh, the they right both and, and the mishkan and eagle azov, both of them are cre- using some sort of gold right So worship of gosh baruchu pastures. obviously this is cutting it very simply but they go the eagle azov was gold the aron was gold right? what is the difference between the two obviously this is very simple is hashem commanded bnei israel to build the aron and he didn't command bnei to build the ego right those are Again, that's not as good an example as this one, but this is literally cut and dry. So basically, things in, in, that we do always have to be discussed in context. It always depends on, on the circumstance. What does the halacha say about this? What does the Torah say about this? Right? We might think that we're being magnanimous and very nice, but really the Torah might demand a totally different set of circumstances. Uh, and it, that's why it's important to always have a rav and always be uh, you know familiar with halacha and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, ask, uh, ask your friends. And make sure that you get a good Adrachah, because sometimes when we take these uh, life you know, aspects into our own hands, sometimes that, uh, that can get a little muddy. Okay, last vort. And uh, I enjoy this vort trem- this tremendously as well. I heard this vort from Rav Chagai Ravid, who was a from Nevisar, now a teacher, I think, at Leva Torah, and that the puzzle says by Tzitzis, not so relevant to you guys, but the, the idea is relevant, and it's it's a beautiful vort, and then we'll leave off with this, is... The puzzle said that tzitzis reminds us of all the mitzvahs. You guys familiar with that? Does that ring a bell at all? That tzitzis reminds us of the mitzvos. So how does tzitzis, a bunch of strings, remind us of the mitzvahs? So Rashi is probably most famous. Is that you do a gematria. That you take tzad yod, tzad And you hash out that math. And I'll do it quickly for you. It gets you to 600. And the, uh, the strings are 8. And the knots are 5. And that gets you to the magic number of six thirteen. Just as an aside, how do you know the six thirteen mitzvahs? Gemara mentions it a couple places, Makos, whatever. There's a whole there's not there's a whole discussion as to what the six thirteen mitzvos are. Right, that's how, that's uh, been debated for centuries. But okay, six thirteen. That's how the mitzvos. That's how the the tzitzis reminds us of the mitzvos. Now the Ramban and others have a couple problems with this. First of all. Uh, the eight strings and five knots is not always so clear. You don't necessarily need eight strings and five knots. Um, and even better, which I like, is that um, the Ramban says, if you look at the word in, in the Torah, the word sitsis is never spelled with two yuds. It's always spelled sadiyud yud, sadi So you're missing ten. So people say, okay, Sares Okay, once you're adding in Sares come on now. Now you're just fudging it. Tosas has a better answer. He said, whatever I mean, you see, you take the lamed and Litzitzis at the end. Okay, you divide it by three. It says the word three times. Each one gets an extra ten. Okay, you can fudge the numbers. It says Ramban, how does sizzles remind you of the Mitzos? It reminds you via the trellis. The trellis, as you know, was uh, a part of the Tzitzis, We don't. Some people do nowadays. Some people don't. Uh, that's a whole discussion in and of itself. But basically, the tchelis was a blue string running through the, the tzitzis, different from how it looks. Either way, that reminds us of the sea, and that reminds us of the sky, and that reminds us of the kisei akavot. Right? The blue color the tchelis, reminds us of the sea, reminds us of the sky, reminds us of the kisei akavot. The kisei akavot is made out of sapphire, the Pussuk says, in Mishpatim, and yecheskel and, and, and Maestro Merkav, etc. So that reminds us of Azar baruch now, there are a lot of things you can ask about that vort, but the Rav says something very sharp. He says, what do you need the sea for? Hey, the sky is blue. The sky is blue, but you want to say it's the upper waters reflecting the sky. You want to say it's the Kisia Kavod, however you get the blue color of the sky, whatever it is. What do you need the sea for? I'm just say it. It reminds you of the sky. It reminds you of the Kisia Kavod. What do you need the sea? What do you need the water for? The ocean is nice, but like, what does that have to do with anything? Okay, you want to say it's Mayim uh, chayim, and the Torah is compared to water, right? You remember that uh, kind of gemara with Rabbi Akiva and the Roman. The Roman says, why don't you just stop keeping Torah? Rabbi Akiva says, because I'm like a fish in the sea. If a fox would say to the, to the fish, come live up on land, it doesn't work. I need the, the water to live. So, so too, I need the Torah to live. Okay, fine. But if a guy says, I'll say to tell you even better. He says, when does the sea look blue? Only if it's not murky, only if it's not muddy, only if it's clear, only if it's clear. When does Torah work? When does a Torah lifestyle work? When there's nothing muddying the waters, when there's no other noise, when there's nothing clouding from other, let's say, disciplines. When a person has... A singular life goal, a singular life focus, to live a life of Torah mitzvot, to live a life of Frumkite. So that's when it reminds you of the sky and reminds you of the code Whenever things are muddy and dirty and messed up and kind of mixed with other maybe uh, other types of ashkafa or other things that are kind of making static noise, then it, the water doesn't remind you at all of the sky. The water then gets all murky and gray and dark and things maybe get a little confusing, a little messed up that's a crucial crucial thing to remember certainly certainly when you guys are in uh, America during the summer with a lot of free time and uh, all the time but certainly certainly in the summer when you guys have just gone back right and you're starting to kind of find your way um, it's crucial to remember that that it doesn't work when you have Torah and other things right like you, that you have let's say you yeah you 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 learn Torah but you also you know have uh, you know I you have a priority. This is a boy thing. So you also watch sports uh, and you also keep Shabbos, but you also like to read, you know, do... All, when you have all these other things, I like to do... I don't know. I'm trying to find... A, I'm struggling for examples because I'm looking at the timer at the top of, of the Zoom and it's ending in three minutes. But whenever you have all these other priorities, competing with Torah, and Torah is not the singular life view and the singular goal, And meaning whenever you have Torah and also work and also things you like to do to relax, and none of those mesh, and they all clash, so then you have a trouble. But when everything is viewed through the lens of Torah, so then everything works out, right? Then everything is clear, then you're able to have a strong anchor, you're able to live a life of Torah Mitzvahs, right? When you're When you're letting things compete with each other, so, you know, if you feel like doing something else, so then Torah values are maybe not necessarily so crucial to you. But when Torah is the way you live your life... Everything else fits into that. The way you take vacation, the way the things you watch on Netflix, the you know the way you spend your chill time, everything fits into that Torah worldview, and that's when things are mis- what's called miskayim. That's when things uh, kind of stay with you. All right, so we'll finish with that, um, and I hope everybody has an amazing Shabbos. Um, and tomorrow, I hope you say that over next year by Parsha Lach. <laughs> but uh, I very much uh, enjoy hanging out with you guys. Um, I will just mention quickly that.